good to see everybody. It's uh, been beautiful weather the last few days. And, uh, and Jeremy and I both uh, ride motorcycles, you know, and we come to work and we want to just keep going. You know, just not even get off, just take off, right? Just to get out and experience being outside. Uh, one of the things I uh, always enjoy about being outside is it's a great place to pray. We're going to be talking a lot about prayer today. I love praying, uh, walking in my neighborhood late at night. I know somebody's probably going to call the cops on me sometime <laughs> at 2 in the morning when I'm out praying in the Mormon church parking lot. Uh, but there's been a lot of prayers go up out there uh, over the years. And so uh, there's something about, to me, being under the stars and in the sky and just you know, uh, those kinds of situations of being able to just to, to go to the Father and pray. I don't, I don't know. Do you have a favorite place you like to pray? Do y'all pray at all? Okay, here we go. There we go. You're there. You're there. Okay. So, uh, uh, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's at a particular place, a room in your house or something, but uh, prayer is so important. One man said it's, prayer is the gymnasium of the soul. You know, it's where we really go to exercise spiritually, right? Well, as we uh, as we get started today, I want us to uh, invite. I want to invite our scripture readers up and our prayer. We're going to have a scripture reader and a prayer. So come on up, guys. This is Kay Lakin Borders. She's going to read our scripture, and then Josh is going to say our prayer for us. Okay. Here we go. John 17, 1. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, so that the, so your Son may glorify you. John 17, 11. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they me, may be one as we are one. John 17, 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. John 17:24. Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am with, and to see my glory. Thank you. And that was great because that wasn't just uh, one verse. I gave her a whole bunch to read, so uh, she stepped up to the plate there. And now we're going to have a prayer. We can't uh, study and talk about prayer without praying, right? And so... Uh, Josh is going to lead us in uh, prayer here. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord. I just, um, it's just everybody watching. I hope, um, it, I hope you just learn a lot about Jesus, Lord. And thank you for all the people who came here to learn about you. And Lord, let's just hope we have a great weekend. And Jesus, in my name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Excellent. Tell you what, that's all we got today. It'd be plenty, wouldn't it? Good reading out of the book. Good prayer. You know, that's what the young evangelist was told. Pay attention to public reading of the scriptures and to prayer. And so we want to keep that practice going on. John chapter 17. 
uh, we're going we're gonna to look at some things in there. By the way, uh, we have uh, what I'm holding in my hand is the 40 days of prayer. And let's see, I'm going to get the date right. This will start November 22nd, and we'll close out the entire year with praying. This tells you some things on each day to pray for. Uh, you will be getting one of these. Uh, David and the crew is making sure everybody will have one of these. Spend some time in closing out that this year. I'm ready to close out this year. What about you? Start a new one, right? Okay, so we're going to do it with 40 days of prayer. And so uh, uh, these will be made available to you. Be sure and uh, 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 follow this. It means the world when people know that you are, are care for them and you are praying for them. Well, uh, <clears throat> we've had a big week. We've had, uh, by, uh, by the way, I just want to say uh, to, to the fellowship uh, room over there, guys, wave your hand. I'm looking at you. Uh, make sure you're there. Nobody snuck out. Okay, good. By the way, in there, I saw earlier, I was in there, uh, uh, Mac Owen. Is Mac and Mary are here, former elder and minister here. Mac, welcome, brother. Welcome. Thank you for your ministry. Also, one of our uh, past elders, Gordon Dasher, is here. Gordon, I think he's sitting right back there. Raise your hand, Gordon. Glad you're here, brother. I don't know why when I preach, former elders come and check up on me, but, um, you know, we're glad to have you. Uh, John chapter 17. This is uh, the Lord's Prayer, a whole chapter of prayer. But it's not just here in a vacuum. Remember, this is coming right down to the last hours of, of, of Jesus' life that's coming here. Uh, John, uh, the first 11 chapters there are talking about his ministry and all the things we've seen him do in proving that he is God in the flesh. Remember, the book was written to cause people to see who Jesus was, the Son of God, and then by believing in him, have eternal life. And so now all of a sudden, the rest of this book is about that fantastic and yet, in some ways, terrible week that uh, Jesus went through in delivering himself over for our sins. And, of course, the great news of the resurrection. So before this happens, he's just had this uh, uh, talk with the disciples about the, the vine, the branches, the work of the Holy Spirit, and how God, God wants them to have joy. He can turn their grief into joy, as Alan was sharing with us uh, 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 last week, and how that we can take heart because we've overcome the world. And right after saying that, he turns and says, after Jesus said this, after he said that, chapter 15, 16, okay? After that, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. Listen to a little bit of this prayer. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you have gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus has come. He's done his work. 
and uh, he can even see the completeness of the work, even though it hadn't happened in time yet. And he's looking forward to going back with the Father and 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 having that glory that he had pre-creation. So he has this prayer for basically himself, because in doing this, we're seeing that the work of God to save humanity has taken place. Because this is eternal life, that they know God and Jesus Christ. So glory because of eternal life is given. There's glory because the work has been completed. And there's glory in the Father's presence. Just like he had before. All about giving him glory and honor. Then he turns to pray for the disciples. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in any prayer groups and sat around and listened to a lot of people pray. Uh, it's funny, some of the things I was raised with about prayer, uh, the formula idea that if I didn't say the exact words, it never made it to heaven, you know? I mean, I was, pro- I was brought up praying in the name of Jesus, which we, we do by the power of Christ pray. But I thought you had to physically say it in the name of Christ, amen. And then I would go to sleep at night praying, and then I, I would, before I said it, and so somehow or another when I woke up, I'd have to say, uh-oh, in the name of Jesus, and send it on up, push it on up to heaven, because it got hung up somewhere about my roof until I said the right formula, right? Sometimes we get these crazy ideas that somehow or another my ability to say a prayer right or wrong is going to make a difference where God hears me or not. When you think about that, it's really pretty arrogant to think that I can do something just right and then all of a sudden God will pay attention to me. Think about that. But when you hear people pray, I remember the first time I ever heard Susan pray. Well, I was here in school and we, we, we were just dating and Susan called me on a Saturday and said, "You want to come over to, you want to come over to my grand, uh, grandparents' house and uh, pick me up, eat lunch, and pick me up, and then you can bring me back." And I'm, I'm like, "Well, yeah, I want to do that, you know." And uh, I said, "Where is it?" And she said, "Transylvania." And I said, "Yeah, right. Really, where is it?" She said, "No, Transylvania. There's really a Transylvania, Louisiana. I mean, I just moved here." I said, "Okay, I, uh, give me directions. I'm coming. Sounds scary, but I'm there, you know." I didn't realize her uncle owned the town, which basically was one store and a tire place. So uh, I go over there, and we have this great meal at her grandmother's fix, this great meal, everything. And so right before we get ready to eat, we all sit around the table. And so uh, her, her grandfather said, okay, uh, Susan, say the prayer. And Susan said the prayer. And I, I'd never heard a woman pray. Because I was taught women don't pray publicly. Anybody else taught that besides me? Yeah, me and three others. Yeah. Uh, I was taught that. You didn't pray out. Women didn't pray out loud. Uh, and so she prayed. And I thought to myself, I'm going to straighten that out when we get back. <laughs> so we had a little conversation about that. And I started looking up in the Bible. And I... All of a sudden, I couldn't find anything that supported what I believed. You ever been that way, by the way? You ever, you ever got caught like that? 
First, I, I, went to, I went to the book of Acts. I thought, after all, that's the history of how people do everything. I went to Acts chapter 1, and it says that the disciples and the women were gathered in the upper room all praying. Now, I don't know why I assumed the women were silent and the men were not, but that's what I'd always assumed. It doesn't say that anywhere. Then I said, well, Paul straightened this thing out. He said something about women keeping silent. So I go over there in his book of Corinthians and find that he's, he's telling them, when you pray, women, do this. And I thought, well, that's not really any good. And finally, I just realized I got this whole thing messed up in my mind. And I thought, why have I missed out by not hearing women pray? We've had prayer groups at our house. I love to hear Donna Lynch pray. The way she pours out her heart to the Father, it just motivates me. Uh, I love knowing that my kids' names, I've been in prayer groups and they said, Mike, we've prayed for your kids, that these walls have heard your kids' names over and over again. And I thought, what a great blessing. See, when we get to hear and see and look, and uh, we get to hear the heart of someone when they're going to God. It's an intimate moment. Here's a passage where we get to hear Jesus. God. When God prays. We hear God pray here. And in this prayer, here's what he says about his disciples. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. Now, now let me fix something real quick here. In the NIV where it says, I have revealed you. It actually, if you'll check, you've got a footnote in there. Most versions don't have that. They have, I revealed your name. And uh, the manuscripts have the name in there. And the reason is that they just tried to clarify and make it a little simple, but they really messed up here because the name is important because in that world, name and everything. Matter of fact, the Orthodox Jew, you did not say the name of God. It was too magnificent. It was too holy. You didn't even write it down. Matter of fact, when you would write a passage, if you came to the name of God, you left it blank. It was that much reverence and respect of the holiness and, 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 and uh, of God's name. And a name meant something, right? When you read in the Bible, all these names, they have something attached to them. We're not quite like that in, a, uh, in America, in the Western world, where names don't really mean that much. I don't even know if you, do you know what your name meant? Means, you, have you looked that up? Uh, have you Googled that? I know, uh, I know Randy Kirby has. I'm not going to get into what his name means, but uh, ask him sometime, right, Randy? Uh, so, but we don't name people based on typically the meaning of the name like was back in that culture. But a name carried with it the character and the qualities of that person, their nature. And the name Jehovah God, when he says, I revealed his name, he's revealing the character of God to these people. And so what Jesus is saying, I've revealed the name you, God, all your character, all your qualities to those you gave me. I've shown them who you are in your greatness and in your holiness. We're going to talk about that name a little bit more later. Then he says, for I gave them the words you gave me. Now I gave them your name and I explained what it is. Now I gave them your words, the holy scriptures, these words that are alive and active. They explained some things about God. He said, I gave you your words and they accepted them. 
They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. That's what the whole book of John was written to cause to happen, right? For people to believe that Jesus is God and to accept him and have eternal life. And Jesus in his prayer is saying, this, this is what's happening. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you've given me, for they're yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. Don't miss that. That's a partnership that exists that says Jesus is God. And whatever God has, Christ has. Whatever Christ has, God has, including these disciples. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Jesus is leaving. He knows he's going. And so in this prayer, he's acknowledging that, and he says, Holy Father. And here's what his prayer is for them. Protect them. Protect them. When you were growing up, who did you look to as your protector? In my family, I knew my dad protected us. He took care of us. He fed us. He watched over us. He protected us. If I got scared, I could run to my dad. Jesus prays for these disciples' protection. And he says this, Father, now this is God talking to God on behalf of humans that he loves. Father, protect them by the power of your what? Somebody said out loud, power of your, power of your name, power of your name, power of your name. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. So that protection by the power of the name of God. There's no other name by which men can be saved. Jesus Christ. His name is powerful. Amen, brother. It's a powerful name. Protection. The power of the name of Jesus. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong power. The righteous run to it and are safe. That's where you find safety. In the name of God. The name of the Lord. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture will be fulfilled except Judas. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world Any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. How many times have you prayed for your kids? God protect them from the evil one. Jesus Christ, deity on his knees, looking to heaven, prays for my protection. From the evil one, and he does it in the name of God. That's just got to give you some hope and comfort and confidence to know that God prays for you like this. Now, in this verse 13 through 19, I want to just look at it because in his prayer, he describes some things about 
some aspects of a disciple. Look what he says here. Let, let me just give you five things, and then we'll, we'll read the text. He's going to say a disciple is full of joy. A disciple is hated. A disciple is protected. A disciple is sanctified. And a disciple is sent. All right, let's just read this a little, again, a little bit again. So that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Joy. Now, somehow or another, religious formalism and tradition became something very dull and boring and pretended to be holy and reverent. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever been in an, in an assembly and, and someone says, well, that's so reverent, and I'm thinking, no, it's so boring. Have you ever had that happen? Now, reverence and respect, sure, but reverence and respect is not the absence of joy. These disciples are full of joy. He wants them to be full of joy. They're joyful because of the salvation they have and the confidence they have. And they've got God on his knees praying for them. They ought to be full of joy. Let me ask you something right now. Are you letting anything steal your joy? Don't you let news steal your joy. Don't you let an election steal your joy. Don't you do it. As God's people, we're way beyond that. You see, there was only, there was one vote cast and it was cast for me at the cross. And because of God's grace, I won the victory. I have the greatest election in the world. Why would I be someone that don't have joy? Look, I don't have joy because circumstances in the world are good or bad. I have joy because I'm right with God. And He's given me a purpose for living in the culture and world that I'm in. You and I must be witnesses of joy, disciples of joy, in a world that's struggling because they're struggling and Jesus prays that about the disciple joy hated you and I don't, get, don't be worried about people hating you because if you live in a strong way for God they will hate you they hated the disciples they hated Jesus and the world will hate us Because when you live for God, it becomes a natural rebuke of the way the world lives in opposition to God. He prays for them. He prays for their protection from the evil one. And he prays for their sanctification. He says that they are sanctified. Look, that's just a word that means they are set apart for a purpose. Or made holy. They're set apart for the holiness of God. He says, sanctify them by, the, by your truth. Your word is truth. So what helps set us apart? The word of God has the power to change our lives and to make us holy. And it sets us apart. We look different than the world looks. We're set apart for the use of God by the word of God. And then he says they are sent. They're taken out. They're out. Out here to the world. Because the purpose is to bring people to God. These are the aspects of discipleship that you find in Jesus' prayer. Then he says this in verse 20. He prays really for you and me. Anyone else who would ever become a disciple. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just 
as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So, here's why, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with where I am, to be with me, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, he says, through though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in you. Jesus prays for you and me. He prays for us to be united. But he prays for that unity for a purpose so that the world will see and know who Jesus is and can experience the love that we experience being in God. That's why. Unity. Unity that communicates who Jesus is to the world, he prays for. Then he also prays for community. That they're one. That they're together in this thing. Togetherness in love. Togetherness in growth. Togetherness in glory. That's what he prays for. Jesus prayed for God to be glorified. He prayed for his work to be glorified. He prayed for the protection of the disciples. He prayed for the sanctification of the disciples. He prayed for the unity of the disciples. Think about that. Protection, unity, holiness, and for the glory of God. That's Jesus' prayer list. So I guess the question becomes is, how does that compare to your prayer list and mine? You ever think about it? Now, I'm all for praying for all the sick folk we have. And when I'm sick, I want your prayers. And our, our prayer warriors do a great and awesome job. And I am so indebted to our people who pray. But there's something greater than the physical well-being of our people. The unity of our church and the church worldwide. The holiness of our church. The protection of our church. All to the glory of God. That's the prayer list of Jesus. I'm afraid that if we put a clock on the amount of time prayer took place and the amounts of other things that took place in our life, we all always feel short on that, right? You ever have a hard time concentrating when you pray? Because there's a whole lot of other things running through your mind. It's hard to force yourself to think about the thing that you, in prayer that you think about least in life. 
But if you're thinking about God all the time in the scripture, you're thinking about opportunities to encourage one another. Prayer all of a sudden just becomes a, 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 a that's, that's that pray without ceasing. That's always there on your mind. It's an attitude of prayer. It's I'm always looking for opportunity to pray for somebody. Here a while back I was talking to a guy I was eating breakfast with uh, uh, at, uh, at a local place. I eat breakfast all the time. And... Uh, uh, and we got to talking about spiritual stuff, and we got out in the parking lot. He, he broke down. He said, I, I don't know why, but Mike, this has been going on in my life. And, and, and uh, he said, would you pray for me? And I said, yeah, I'll pray for you. And, and, and I said, let's do it right now. Right here? Yeah, right here. And we just bowed our heads, stood in the parking lot at the Waffle House, and prayed to God for this man. There ain't no bad place to pray. And why would I be embarrassed for someone to see or hear me pray. Jesus led us in on hearing him go to the Father in an intimate prayer. So here's what I want to do today. We're going to have a time of prayer here in just a moment. And if you want someone to come over and pray over you, you just raise your hand and some of our other folks will do that, okay? If you need prayer for something, they'll do that. If you want to just go to somebody and pray over them because you love them and you, you want protection for them, you want holiness for them, you want God's glory to be seen in their life, if you want these things that's on Jesus' prayer list to happen in their life, you feel free to do that. If this makes you feel awkward, that's just okay because we're kind of a bunch of awkward people anyway, right? We're not real worried about that. So we're going to have a moment where I, I say silence, but it's okay if you're praying out loud with people out there. But we're just going to have an initiation of a time of prayer. And I'll kind of wrap that prayer up in a few moments. But I want, I want our, you out there, I want you as disciples, and then on the live stream, pray with each other. Uh, uh, take requests from one another. Uh, I'll, in, the, in, the, in the fellowship room, pray for each other. Uh, if you need to, to get up and go hug somebody and pray over them, do that. I want us to beseech God today for protection, for holiness, for unity. And I want God to get the glory. Let's practice the prayer of Jesus. Okay? So let's stand. And I'm going to give us a few moments of silence without my speaking. And you can go speak over someone. If you need prayer, just raise your hand. Paul and some others can just they'll watch for you and they'll go pray over you, okay? There's somebody back here, a couple others. Look around. Somebody has their hand raised. Go pray for them, would you? Father in heaven, just to hear the noise of the voices coming to your throne room on behalf of others is moving. And Father, by the power of your name and the power of your word, 
we lift up our hearts. And we know we can only do this because of the blood of Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor. Father, protect my brothers and sisters from the evil one. Protect them by the power of your name. Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Make them holy. Father, unite us as one in our love for you and for one another. Cast any divisive hearts away from us, Father. Help us to be totally one and united in the good news of Jesus and who he is. And Father, may this church move in a mighty, spirit-filled way as we learn to depend on you and your power. We beseech you, Father. We want to pray like Jesus prayed. We want to be like Jesus. We want to live like Jesus. We want others to find the hope and the grace that we have found in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. May your name be glorified in all we do. It's in the name of Jesus, that powerful, powerful name. It's in the help of the Spirit, that Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that we offer this prayer to you. And the church said, Amen. Amen. If you have further needs today, please come while we sing.